Good morning, Northside. It is so good to be back with you. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I am Robin Hart. I have led Northside and Wadsworth for almost 40 years. And this church here is uh, a dream that we've had for years and years and years. It's one of the reasons why Northside was named Northside, so that we could establish a church on the north side of Wadsworth, which was Medina. So we are one church two campuses. So it's good to be here. It's good to see some of you folks that I haven't seen for a long, long time. It's good to see you and so many new people too. It's great to see you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Jeff preached a sermon here uh, and he started with, uh, what if you were given one month to live and how would you do that? And so as I've been thinking about what I want to share, I've got a one-shot deal to share with you today. And so I wanted to share something I thought that maybe would absolutely make a difference in your life. So what I'm going to talk about is don't waste your life here because uh, life can be over so very, very quickly. And then all of a sudden it's like, was my life even worth living? And, and what, what made my life count? And so uh, let me give you, I'm going to give you three acrostics today. Here's the first one. What is life all about? Life is about life is for eternity. That is a good acrostic that one we might remember. Here's why. Look at John chapter 17, verse 3. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life, that we ought to have that. But so many people don't live for that. I remember reading a story in the Reader's Digest, and it talked about a couple that decided that they were going to take early retirement. So she was 51. He was 59. They, They took retirement. They moved to Florida. They bought a big boat. And they wanted to play softball and collect seashells. And so as they did that and fulfilled their dream, when I was reading that, I thought, that's just a spoof on the American dream. But it wasn't a spoof. Tragically, that was, that was their life. That was their dream. So when you come to the end of your life, your one and only precious life that God has given you, what is going to be the last great work of your life? When you stand before Almighty God and you say, look at my seashells. You know, the scripture says that uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so we're all going to stand before God someday, and he's going to ask us about what did we do in our life? And I certainly don't want to waste it, and I, hope, I don't think any of us want to waste it as well. What does it mean to waste your life? Maybe we look at the other end of it. What would you think would make your life successful? Uh, to be successful in your career? That you might be maximally happy? That you might accomplish something great and significant in your life? Maybe to make your life worthwhile is to help as many people as you can. Or maybe to serve Jesus Christ or to give glory to God in all that you do. Um, but, but what is the point and the purpose of our life so that we get to the end and we stand before God and our life has not been wasted, this one and only precious life that God has given us? I read a book years ago about, uh, the title of the book was called, Who Switched the Price Tags? And in that, I think it was Tony Campolo that wrote the book, but he talked about two kids that broke into this store, not to steal anything, but they thought it would be a great practical joke to switch all the price tags on everything. So they switched the price tags, and on the big screen TVs, they switched it with ceramic mugs, replaced the price tags of leather jackets to face towels, and so on. So when the morning came and they opened up the store, people were paying $2 for leather jackets, 
and $2,000 for ceramic mugs. Somebody had switched the price tags. Now, we've been thinking, uh, we've talked a lot about gasoline in the last few weeks or a few years, about how gas has gotten so high. Uh, but I looked it up and did some calculating. Uh, did you know that Diet Snapple, 16 ounces, $2.43, that's $19.44 a gallon. Vicks NyQuil, 12 ounces, $13.78. You're paying $147 a gallon. Scope, 33 ounces for $15.32, $48 a gallon. So the next time at your pump, your car doesn't, just be thankful, your car doesn't run on NyQuil or Scope or Pepto-Bismol. You know, uh, the most expensive uh, vehicle to drive in America by far is the Costco shopping carts, evidently. Uh, but we live in a world where the, the price tags have been switched. And we have a marketing media that is pushing all the things that aren't necessarily going to bring glory to God. And at the end, you think, man, I've got all this kind of stuff and I've accomplished it. But, but really, when you stand before God, what is all of it worth? You see, people live at th one of three basic levels in life. The first level is a survival level. That is the lowest level. That's where you are just barely getting by. Um, you're just existing. Maybe it's for those people that are punching the time clock. They're just living for the weekends. They never really have any major goals in life. Uh, they don't accomplish anything. And, and maybe all the time they're fantasizing about taking some vacation to Tahiti or something, but they just get by in their life. Survival. The second level is a success. Now, that's a little bit higher. And just by the fact that we live in America, we probably are on this success level. Um, uh, you know, most of the world would love to have our problems. We worry about our mortgage and whether we're going to be, going to be able to pay for it or not. But other people are worrying about how they're going to feed their children for the next meal. Uh, at the successful level, we have a com comfortable lifestyle. We have... Uh, uh, possessions, we have prestige, we have pleasures in life. We can go to Baskin Robbins or we can go to get cinnamon rolls for breakfast in the morning. Um, but, but so many people are saying, you know, if I'm so successful, why is this gnawing emptiness that happens in my life? Um, and if you go to the bookstores, there are a lot of books in recent years on the success trap and um, coping with the fast track blues. Or if I'm so successful, wh why do I feel this way? Or quiet desperation, the truth about successful men. So th there are a lot of books that say, man, you reach this success level and there's still something missing in your life. And so there's got to be something, something more than that. Uh, today's in America, the Save Yourself Society, uh, you know, in uh, the undeveloped societies in the world, they suffer from a set of diseases like tuberculosis, malnutrition, pneumonia, parasites, typhoid, cholera, typhos. But did you know in affluent America, we also suffer from another list of diseases? Obesity, arteriosclerosis, heart disease, strokes, lung cancer, venereal disease, cirrhosis of the liver, drug addiction, alcohol, divorce, battered children, suicide, murder. And all these labor-saving devices are really things that really kind of hurt our lives. And so the affluence that we have and the mobility that it creates also creates other problems like uh, divorce courts and prisons and mental institutions that are flooded. And so the success level isn't always the success that you think it would be. And so you get to the end of your life and you've lived at this success level. Did you really waste your life when it comes before standing before God? Um, and all, all those books, they're all saying the same thing, um, that uh, ultimately it will not bring satisfaction. 
Here's what Paul said a long, long time ago in Philippians chapter 3. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own efforts if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have more. I was circumcised on the eight, uh, when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the law. I was so jealous, zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So if you look at that, it's like, man, the Apostle Paul was successful in religion's eyes. But do you remember our text this morning in John 17? Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So there's survival, there's success, but there's a higher level, and that is the level of significance, that you live with a purpose in life. What are you here on earth for? Why has God placed you here, and what are you to accomplish here in life? The tragedy for many, many people, they don't really know. They don't understand why they are here. Um, and so only God can give you the right price without it being switched on those prices. The, the purpose is to know God. i give you another acrostic on the word life. Love God with all your heart. Influence others for good. Forge strong convictions and evaluate everything in life. And evaluate things in the light of God and what God calls you to do. Look at, begin at Philippians chapter 3. I once thought that these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else. Counting it all garbage so that I could gain Christ. Become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. When he says, I want to know Christ, that is an intimate word. That's kind of like a relationship between a husband and a wife. And Paul is writing this. He is imprisoned, and yet he has joy in his heart because of that. Lasting joy comes from knowing Jesus Christ better and better. And sometimes, even in the church, we don't quite get that. It reminds me of the, little, the story about the little boy that fell out of bed. And his mom came in and said, hey, Tommy, what happened? And he says, well, I guess I stayed too close to where I got in. And that's, that's what happens with a lot of people in the church. It's like they come in and they think, oh, it's great. I'm, I'm in the fellowship of the church. And yet they just stay there at a surface level kind of, a, uh, of an involvement. And yet God wants so much more out of your life and so much more out of the church. And that's the problem with a lot of people, even in the ministries. So, so how do you discern God's will for your life? And what has he placed you here for? Do you know that's one of the number one questions that people have is uh, Christians? How do I know what God's will is? And some people, they're always looking for a sign. You guys look for a sign? You know there's signs everywhere. Let me share with you a couple of signs. Um, here's the first one. Eat here and get gas. I have to like that one because uh, I'm originally from Indiana. You can, I don't know if you can see that or not, but uh, that sign's from Indiana. Uh, by the way, I've lived in Ohio here longer than I've lived in, in Indiana. Here's a second one. Um, we repair what your husband fixed. <laughs> Suicidal deer on the next uh, turn, next one mile. Next one. 
please be safe. Do not stand, sit, climb, or lean on fences. If you fall, animals could eat you, and that might make them sick. Thank you. <laughs> Here's another one, Chinese restaurant. All-you-can-eat buffet, not mean all-day all buffet. You, you know come and stay four hours. You eat and go home. Here's another one, Chinese. Uh, no, we know see cat of yours. No more ass, please. You know how hard it was to not try to sound like a Chinese guy speaking those things. But, you know, people are always looking for signs. What college should I attend? Who should I get married to? Um, wh what degree should I pursue? Should I start a family now? What kind of career should I have in my life? And they're always looking at, well, what's God's will in my life? God's will is that you be a holy person before God. Um, so how do you really know? Uh, one preacher, he was called and offered another job by another church that would give him four times the salary. And he says, well, being a spiritual man, he needed to pray about it. So he began to pray. And some, they, uh, somebody asked his, um, his little boy and says, uh, so, so what's your dad going to do? He says, well, dad's praying, but mom's packing. Uh, we, you know, different, a, a purpose in your life will help you to focus on why are you here? What are you to accomplish in life? Um, you know, they say you can have it all. You cannot have it all. Selection is the name of the game. You have to choose what is the best thing that you can do right now to live for God's glory. Living without a purpose is kind of like driving in a heavy fog. It's like you don't know kind of where you're going. You have to go slow and you don't know what going. And, and you can't have everything. Um, uh, th the other day I noticed, uh, you know, when I grew up, it's like you had Coke. And now, do you know there's like 24 different Cokes out there? Uh, here, let me give you some of them. Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Caffeine-Free Coke, Cherry Coke, Vanilla Coke. The list goes on. I think there was 24 of them I counted. Um, now, when I grew up, it's like, like eating your meals. You had a choice. It's either you take it or you leave it, and that's the only choice that you have. Um, but how do you make day-to-day -day decisions? Somebody says it's kind of like 50-50-90. You've heard of the 50-50-90 rule? If you have a 50-50 chance to make a decision, 90% of the time you're going to make the wrong decision, right? You ever notice that? And so, so you have to have goals in your life, and that is going to eventually be our third acrostic today, to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish in your life. Uh, goals, and, and I don't think they ever end. One woman was in a nursing home. She was celebrating her 100th birthday, and, uh, and it was a big, exciting party. The re uh, uh, newspaper guy came in, and, and he was asking her questions, and, and he, she was so excited, and he said this, do you have any children? And she was so excited, she said, not yet. It's like, you know, at 100 years old, you still have to have a goal. Uh, several years ago, uh, I had a, a bucket list that was probably second to none of anybody I know. It's just accomplished lots and lots of great things. And so, so uh, when I came back from what eventually been a world tour that, that I circled the earth in 63 days and saw, visited all our missionaries, and it was incredible, I, I, I was like at the end of my bucket list, and I thought, what in the world am I going to do, you know? And so I saw somebody that had a spider. Now, if you don't know what a spider is, that's a motorcycle that has three wheels, uh, and you've got one right out in the parking lot. Somebody drove that in today. You're my buddy. There you go. And uh, so, so I, I, I start thinking. It's like, oh, I could do that. And I thought, my wife would never go for a motorcycle. She'll never go for a two-wheeler. But she might go for a three-wheeler, right? So I start talking to her about, you know, this new goal. And it's like, well, maybe like, you know what she's told me after two weeks? Just go ahead and do it. You're going to do it anyway. <laughs> it's like, okay. 
So when I first got the motorcycle, again, she wasn't really ever used to it. She, she sat on the back, and she would hug me like this. And I said, the only reason I bought this thing is so you'd hug me again. And then, and then it got to the place where she would, she'd hug me. She'd just put her arms like this. And now she sits on the back, and she gets her phone out, and she's all like, and it's like, you know, it's, but you've you got to have some kind of goals. What are you going to accomplish in your life? And that, I don't think, ever, ever ends. What is the next step? How can you bring glory to God? And so here is our third acrostic that I want to give to you today, and it's the word goals. So here's the G. Get God's input. What is it God wants you to do in your life? Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he wants us to understand what is that. Even Christ himself, look at Hebrews chapter 10, said, I have come to do your will, O God. And so you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and there's no secret to, not, to knowing Christ better. You need to spend time with him. You need to spend time listening to him. That's from his word. You need to spend time talking to him. That's prayer. Don't get caught up on all the, the, uh, uh, the, the nitty-gritties of prayer. Just pray to him. Just talk. Um, just, you, you know, not the when, the where, the how. Just, just talk to God and develop that relationship with him. But you've got to get God's input. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to give glory and honor to you? There's so many people that their goal in life is to be happy. And I don't believe that's God's goal for our life. God's goal for our life is to be holy. And so, God, how do you want me to do that? Here's O. You need to own it. It needs to become yours. Somebody else's goals out there, if they're not yours, you're not going to go out and accomplish theirs. So you've got to, somewhere along the line, you've got to own it for yourself. God wants you to be a holy person. He wants to have a relationship with you. Look at Psalm chapter 37. If you do what the Lord wants, he will make certain each step you take is sure. The Lord will hold your hand, and if you stumble, you still won't fall. So those goals are important. You own it, and when you own it, and your desires are the same as God's desires, he's going to bless you. He's going to lead you by the hand, and if you stumble, he's going to pick you up. And isn't that a great way to live, to know that you can just trust him? And even when you go through struggles in your life, knowing that those struggles are an opportunity to learn to trust God more than you ever trusted him ever before in life. So trust God wholeheartedly. Philippians chapter 3 says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Do you know, I believe that's Paul's number one goal in life. I want to know Christ. I also think it's interesting. He didn't say, my number one goal is to build a church. He didn't say, my number one goal is to witness to other people. He didn't say, my number one goal is to get accolades from other people. He didn't say, my number one goal is to go to heaven. All those may be important. He says, my number one goal is to know Christ and to know Christ better. So you've got to own it. You've got to get God's input and you've got to own it. Here's A, apply it. Because if you don't put it in action, it's just never, ever going to happen. A famous philosopher by the name of John Dewey, uh, he found his son in the bathroom and there had been flooding and the water was all over the floor and the, the son was mopping furiously to, to try to get all the water up so there wouldn't be much damage. And the the dad, being a philosopher, he kind of stood back and he started thinking about what kind of like significance does this have that we can uh, kind of a lesson that we can put in? What's the deeper ramifications of water on the floor? And you know what his son said? He said, Dad, this is not the time to philosophize. It's the time to mop. 
And so, you know, we can sit back and we can theorize about all kinds of stuff. But unless we apply it, it's not going to happen. Look at the book of James. I love the book of James. Chapter 1 says, do not merely listen to the word. So deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, uh, do what it says. is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so it's not just reading the word. It's not just knowing it. It's doing it. And so you've got to apply it to your life. Because all the goals and all the hopes, all the dreams, all the ambitions that you ever have in your life, if you don't apply it and work toward those, then you may never, ever accomplish any of those things. And you stand before God. Well, God, I meant to, but other things kind of took its place. Listen, folks, don't ever let the urgent take the place of the important. The important has to come first, and you have to work that in. Look at John chapter 13. You know these things. Now do them. That's the path of blessing. So you got to apply it. Here's L. you got to live it. It's got to be your life full time. A godly goal, that, a, a, the godly goal becomes actually just your way of life. That you live that way, your dream and who you are ought to be inseparable. I ran across a quote just uh, this last week from John Wooden, famous basketball coach. And he said, there's a choice you have to make in everything you do. So keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. We not only make decisions, we are made by them. So be very careful the decisions that you make. When you start thinking about quitting, you remember why you started. Perseverance and endurance, they reap a huge amount of rewards. So you stay in there and you live it as long as you live uh, to the day of your dying breath. Again, back to Philippians chapter 2 says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So you got to live it. Here's S. You need to share it. Look at Matthew chapter 5. You're the salt of the earth. What good is it if the salt has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You're the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You need to share your life. That's part of why God has come into this world, so that he could share his wonderful life with you. And then as you experience that, you can share that with other people too, so they can have the same hopes and dreams that you have. And that when you stand before God, and when they stand before God, you're not saying, see this great boat that I have? See my seashells? You stand before God and you give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether it's good or bad. So I wanted to encourage you today, don't waste your life. Life is for eternity. And if you miss that, you've missed everything. And so remember, you have to have goals to accomplish that. Get God's input, own it, apply it, live it, and share it. But don't waste your life. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for moments that we can spend in your word. And uh, God, I want to thank you for this church and for every person here. I thank you for the uh, people that I've known for a long time that came from the Wadsworth campus uh, that have stepped out in faith and has uh, uh, helped to make this church here, this campus, 
what, uh, what you want it to be. And God, I thank you for so many new faces uh, because that's why we're here, to share the love of Jesus Christ with others so that they too can experience eternal life forever and ever and ever. Because God, that's what's most important. That's a life of significance. When we live our life for you and that we will not only receive the blessings of this life, but the life here to come. So Father, I pray none of us ever waste our life that we're not just successful when it comes to the world standards, but it's much deeper than that, that we have a life of significance before you and that you bless us not only in this life, but in the life to come. So bless these people and bless this church to that end. In Jesus' holy and precious and saving name we pray.